I'm Michael Mays, and I talk to people. Carmine, you're on with Michael Mays. Even you're on with Michael Mays. It's funny, when I was in, I think, third, maybe fourth grade, my teacher used to get so angry, he used to say, Motormouth. He'd call me Motormouth. Stop talking. It's all you ever do is talk. What are you going to do with your life? You just talk all the time. Caressa, you're on with Michael Mays. AJ, you're on with Michael Mays. I talk to people. Corey, you're on with Michael Mays. It should be fun. Here you go. <laughs> Derek, you're on with Michael Mays. And when I need to talk to a celebrity or, you know, somebody that's been in the news, somebody that's kind of tricky to get in touch with. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy <laughs> who knows another guy. Uh, well, not not exactly like, well, sometimes like that. Gianni, you're on with Michael Mays. All right. Buongiorno, Senor Rousseau. Buongiorno. Come on, Yeah, you know. From Professor Mays Creation. You're on with Michael Mays. You're on with Michael Mays. If you haven't seen the docu, The Greatest Night in Pop, on Netflix, you need to watch it. It's all about the making of We Are the World, USA for Africa. I didn't realize, I knew nothing about this. I didn't realize how involved Lionel Richie was. I didn't know that Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie wrote the song together. I didn't know that all of the stars were told to go into this room with no agents or no handlers, just them. In a room full of other stars, they had no idea who was going to be there or what was going on. This is a crazy story. You've got to watch this docu on Netflix. I've seen it three times. And every time I watch it, I find something else new or different or exciting in it. So Ken Wu was the cameraman who filmed it all. He was there when it happened. And Ken Wu also had no idea who was going to show up. He didn't know Bruce Springsteen was going to drive up in his own car. He didn't know that Cindy Lauper would have too much jewelry on and it would cause a problem recording the song. He didn't realize Michael Jackson was going to be none of it. I reached out to my guy and I said, you know, I've got to talk to somebody who had a hand in this USA for Africa song. I've got to talk to somebody who had a hand in the docu, the making of the song. I've got to talk to somebody who's featured in that Netflix docu. So what about the camera guy, Ken Wu? It'd be really cool to speak with him. So he said, let me work on it. A couple of minutes later, as usual, the phone rang. I answered, and a voice on the other end of the line said, Ken, you're out with Michael Mays. Good morning, Michael. Ken, how are you, my friend? I'm good, sir. How you doing, Michael? I got to say, I have watched this docu three times now, and every time I watch it, I see something new, and I love it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, I tell you, I got more information out of this documentary than I had any idea about. I, I wasn't privy to a lot of the before, before the behind the scenes of before we actually shot it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's an amazing movie. I, I've watched it a few times myself. I, I fast through, I fast forward through myself. But <laughs> just all the information, and, and it just it brings back so many memories from that night that I had completely forgotten. And it explains a lot of like, okay, that's why that happened, or that's why that happened. I mean, it's been almost 40 years, so hard to remember everything. What a night. I mean, it just seems so surreal, and and I think I'm probably not the only person that thought, oh, yeah, a bunch of stars got together, and they sang a song, and that was great. You know, took a couple of hours, and off (laughs) they went. Holy God. I want to just ask specific about specific people, if if you don't mind. Can we just bang out a few of them? All right. I got to start with Bob Dylan. How high was Bob Dylan? Oh, my God. Was he high? You know, Bob... I, no, I don't think Bob was high. But it's hard to hard to tell with Bob, yeah, <laughs> but he, he just seemed to be just totally confused by the whole thing. And 
from what I've seen of Bob before, I, I worked at Grammys and the AMAs and some other award shows. Uh, and from what I remember, he's a very private person. And yeah. I think he was really uncomfortable with all those people. But they were all such a, they were probably a generation ahead of him. So he felt so out of place. And that really comes across how confused he was until he had that bonding moment with Stevie Wonder later. He, he was he was just kind of freaked out. Well, yeah, when they, they show him standing there singing before Stevie takes him in and, and he's just whispering. He's like, we are the Jews. Yeah. Like so... I know, you know, it, it was it was so funny. He's such a legend. You're right. You know, and I, I don't think a lot of the people in the room had ever met him before, so they were all like very timid around him too. So it wasn't like everybody was going up, giving up a back slap and say, "Hey, Bob, how's it going tonight? What are you up to?" Nobody but Bruce Springsteen, who kept calling him Dylan. And by the way, <laughs> I know that was funny. Good job, Dylan. <laughs> so Bruce Springsteen shows up and he drives himself in a muscle car, like typical Bruce. Parks oh, across the street and walk. Like when you saw, you had no idea who was going to be there, right? No, they they didn't say anybody. Can he give me any names? But actually, he was one of the first guys to arrive. And, and you know, at that point, I, we weren't sure how many people was going to come. So I don't know out front waiting on people to arrive and I see this GTO pull up across the street and the door opens the guy hops out I'm like that's Bruce Springsteen oh my god because he had just finished the Born Born in the USA tour and he was huge he was so huge oh god oh yeah. my god yeah so, yeah I mean I was actually like wow I can't believe I beat Bruce Springsteen you know this is amazing did you um were you the one that filmed Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles when they kind of went off together and they started jamming a little bit Yes, absolutely, and that's one of my favorite memories from that night. Uh, they didn't they didn't take a lot of breaks in the studio because you, you just would lose momentum if right. you kept taking breaks because there was a big food and beverage area in the back and, and, and all the managers and wives and stuff. And one of the occasions where they went for a bathroom break, Stevie and Ray stayed in, and they were sitting at the piano, and they were like, it was, it was so amazing. Stevie was playing the low end, Ray was playing the top end of the piano, and they were just jamming and having fun for about 10 minutes. And it was really cool. There's a shot of them with this machine in there. And this was a new machine that Stevie brought in that would allow you to write music in Braille. And yeah. he was teaching it to Ray Charles. I'm like, oh, this is incredible. That's Unbelievable. Nuts. That is wild. So do you, who, who has the footage of Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder jamming together? You know what? We shot, like I said, we shot uh, from about ten o'clock that night till about eight o'clock in the morning. There were four cameras, and they just they just let the tape machines roll. So, you know, just there were like forty hours, forty hours of video from that night of scenes just like that. I think if you look at the HBO documentary, which was an hour long, it came out at the same time the song was released to, to help promote it. Hmm. Uh, I think there may be a little more footage of it then, but. Okay. All that footage, I tell you, I had to hand it to uh, Dorothy Street Productions. They're the ones that put this whole thing together and, and found all this archive footage because originally it was an exclusive for HBO. So that, that after that night, all those tapes were shipped off to HBO in New York for editing, and all but 10 hours of it disappeared. Ooh. They were having a real panic trying to hunt down this stuff. Wow. So amazing. Yeah. Um, and I got, I got yeah. so many people to ask about. Let's go to, uh, all right, let's go to Tina Turner. To me, to me, Tina Turner looked a little, <laughs> she looked a little standoffish. She did not look happy. A am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. She, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I think you're wrong. She, as I said, it was an overwhelming night. It, it's so funny, Lionel put it better than anybody. I, I think she wasn't familiar with a lot of those artists. Uh, and I think a lot of the artists weren't familiar with each other. I think Lionel said it best when he said it was like the first day of kindergarten. Uh, oh. All these huge artists, but they had never all been together like that right. in that kind of setting and exposed to, to direct interaction with each other. You know, normally they would be traveling with a manager and an agent and a hair person and, and whatever. But when they were put in that studio and everybody else was checked out, it was incumbent all of them to meet each other. And, you know, as the evening drew along, it, it, it just got to be like, hey, we're all part of one big happy family here. Right. Um, I got to say, my, my the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet award goes to Huey Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. And you know what? And I heard about Prince because that was one of the things that was, we think Prince is coming. We don't know. We're going to keep an eye out for him. But for my money, especially the line that he sang. I mean, I understand that what they were trying to do. They were trying to have he and Michael basically standing next to each other singing. It would have been a great thing since they were huge rivals. Sure. But Huey Lewis, the way he delivered that one line was so good with Cindy and with uh, yeah. Tim Carnes behind him. I, I just don't think Prince would have brought that same energy to it. And I don't think he would have been, he was, well, he definitely wasn't in the spirit of being with everybody else. No. He, he had told him, you know, everything's going great. We're having a ball down here. And whatever he wanted to do, he wanted to do it in a separate room by yeah. himself. So yeah. that just wasn't going to happen. I got to say, I, I can't hear. I can't hear in my head. I can't hear Prince singing that Huey Lewis line. Huey, you're you're right. Huey did such a great job with that line that I, I can't hear it any other way. So I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, it worked but out he, that way. he he was he was so nervous because he was a relatively new artist on the scene. I think he may have had one hit yeah. more than, but he he. He, he was really, he put his heart and soul into it. You know, it, I think of it like like this. When, when, when you're in, and since Lionel Richie had that great, it's like the first day of kindergarten thing. When you're in, like, say, fourth grade, and the whole class is reading, and your turn is coming up, and you don't know what you're reading yet, and you know the whole class is listening, <laughs> you, you get that, that anxiety. I can't imagine, like, what Huey Lewis felt being the guy that's about to sing. So, um, oh yeah, because he waited, he waited so long, he was so near the end, and everybody else, you know, it was getting late. He was like, you know, I'm ready to get myself done here. Amazing. Amazing. Do you think in this day and age, like if, if we, with, with the current, you know, roster of, of pop stars in the game right now, could this have happened today? Uh, you know what? I, I don't, absolutely, I think it, it could not have happened. You know, I just, just the, just the fact that there were no iPhones <laughs> was a big deal, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, nobody's texting, nobody's calling, you know, cell phones weren't even that big back then. So, right. no, I, I don't think something like this could ever happen again, and I don't think you could ever have pulled it off. In the, in, it was an amazing. I mean, all this got pulled together in less than a month. Yeah. And you got to hand it to, to uh, Lionel and to Ken Craig and Dustin's art. Uh, they actually were able to pull the whole thing off. It could have fallen apart at any minute. Absolutely. And uh, and I'll end with this. Uh, Diana Ross, who just wins my heart watching this docu, Diana Ross cries at the end of the night and says, I just don't want this to end. And I think that's so sweet. Uh, I remember I remember shooting her standing back in the corner. I think she was with Stevie or Quincy or, or Lionel. And we just, she just looked so sad that everybody was tripping off. And you know what? I think when everybody left the uh, studio, they were kind of like sad because, you know, they realized that something like this was never going to happen again. And this was like, 
by the time when they got home, it's like Lionel said, it's like, that was an incredibly historic night, and what we did is going to live forever. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant, brilliant, and and the docu brings it all back around. Ken, I can't believe you got to be in the room. You you are right up there with Huey Lewis as one of the luckiest people on the planet to have been there to seen it. I might be even lucky. I might be even luckier than Disney. I, I I think you may be. You know, but listen, I appreciate your time. I'm gonna go watch the docu for like the fourth time now because it's that good. <laughs> okay, yeah, it is that good. Man, did an awesome job. Take care and thanks for your time. I appreciate it. it was great talking, man. You got it, Michael. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.